Colin Howell held his three-year-old daughter's hand as he led her towards her classroom at the Mount Sandal Nursery School in Coleraine. His mind was elsewhere as they approached the door. His dental practice in Ballymoney wasn't doing as well as he'd hoped it would when he'd opened it two years earlier. And the renovations in the new family home in Knocklade Park were dragging on. A friendly voice from the classroom snapped him back to reality. And when he glanced up at the pretty blonde nursery assistant, he couldn't help but smile back at her. He knew he shouldn't be thinking about another woman, especially after his wife had caught him having an affair a few months prior. But there was something about Hazel Buchanan, an RUC constable's wife, that he'd first noticed when he met her gaze at the church they both attended. He knew he would see her again soon. If there was one certainty in his life, it was that he would not miss Sunday service. The Dentist, His Mistress and the Murders. The story of Colin Howell, Hazel Buchanan and the tragic death of their innocent partners. Written by Eileen McFarlane. Researcher, Claude Amini. Produced by Ian Mullaney. And edited by me, Nicola Talent. A Crime World three-part special. Colin had grown up in Belfast, the second youngest of five children in a deeply religious family. As a young child, he gladly attended Mass at Shankill Baptist Church three times on a Sunday, and he joined the Boys' Brigade. Throughout his life, his social circle consisted almost entirely of friends from the church, and he was proud of the respect he'd earned as a dedicated member of the congregation. As soon as he and his wife of seven years, Leslie, had moved to Coleraine just after the birth of their first child in 1984, they had joined the Coleraine Baptist Church. It didn't take long for Colin to become a pillar of the church community. He readily volunteered to help out with events, days out and church groups like the Youth Fellowship. The evangelical Christians remained impartial during the religiously rooted troubles that plagued the north of Ireland. But that didn't mean that they didn't have issues with their own tight-knit group. Leslie had been raised with the same religious beliefs as her husband, and she found friends within the weekly Bible circles, hosted by one of the other ladies from the church. But she struggled to find her place in the community, and struggled with being known as just the dentist's wife. Colin and Leslie had met in 1981 while they were both studying at Queen's University in Belfast. Colin was studying dentistry and Leslie was on her way to becoming a nurse. She had been born in the UK but spent most of her youth in Dublin before she moved up north to begin her training. And unlike Colin, who'd fallen into dentistry because he didn't get enough grades for medicine, Leslie had worked hard to become a nurse and she thrived on the wards of the Royal Victoria Hospital in Belfast. They were married within two years, and as Colin made his way up the career ladder, Leslie resigned herself to staying at home to raise the three children they'd had at two-year intervals since. After they'd moved to Coleraine, she felt as though she didn't fit in with the other nurses. She tried to adapt to being a stay-at-home mother, but like many new mothers, Leslie found it isolating 
Each day felt the same, with no adult company for conversation and no sense of purpose. Colin, on the other hand, was quickly becoming more successful within the practice he had worked for. At the beginning of their relationship, Colin had been the one chasing after Leslie's affection, but it seemed lately as though she couldn't get his attention no matter how hard she tried. The affair with an old classmate from university in late 1989 had really knocked Leslie's confidence, and despite Colin's repentance at home and at church, she wondered if, well, if she could ever trust him again. After all, he had cherry-picked what Bible scriptures to follow before, when they had premarital sex and three subsequent abortions in England. The only thing stronger than Colin's religious convictions was his sexual appetite, but he felt as though he would be forgiven for his perceived sins if he just confessed to his pastor, time and time again. Colin was a present father. In fact, he felt as though he was the better parent, but not by choice. He believed that Leslie would throw the kids at him as soon as he walked in the door from work. The never-ending cleaning that comes with raising small children seemed too much for her to manage alone, which was surprising to Colin because she used to keep her student accommodation spotless even after a long shift on a geriatric ward. It wasn't the marital bliss that Colin Howell had imagined, and he believed there were better Christian women out there for him. Women like Hazel Buchanan. Hazel was raised on a farm just outside Oma with nine siblings. Her parents, Jack and Peggy Elkin, were members of the local Baptist church and the family spent as much time at the church as they could when they weren't tending to the dairy farm. Hazel longed for a life away from the farm and when she was 18, she met 20-year-old Trevor Buchanan, a Royal Ulster Constabulary hopeful. Trevor came from a family of RUC officers. Three of his five brothers were serving members and, as the youngest boy, Trevor looked up to his siblings and to their uniform. The social and political climate in Northern Ireland made it a dangerous job, but Trevor's friendly demeanour meant that he'd no problem dealing with the public during a time of civil unrest. He was smitten with Hazel. He'd never had a serious relationship before and he was proud to take her home to meet his family. The couple were married in 1981 at Hazel's local church and although Trevor wasn't as devoutly Baptist as his wife, he was willing to become a member of the flock. Over time, his own faith grew. Hazel was seen to be a positive influence on Trevor. He didn't go out drinking with his colleagues as much. He quit smoking and he tried hard to give his family everything they could want. But sometimes it seemed as though it was never enough for Hazel. Hazel Buchanan married basically to get out of her house. Derek Henderson is author of Let This Be Our Secret. She wasn't very smart. She wasn't very well educated. She was in some ways quite timid. But in her house... She ran the show. She dictated what they would have and what they wouldn't have. Uh, she was quite materialistic. She was quite high maintenance in terms of maybe the clothes she wore, the sort of furniture she had in the house. I mean, they were out with friends one day and they were showing a video of uh, how this other couple and their family were enjoying a holiday in Disneyland. 
And uh, Trevor said to her, you know, Hazel, maybe that's where we should go uh, sometime with the kids, take the two kids with us. And she says, oh, absolutely not. She says, you know, we need a new suite of furniture. And that's where we're going to spend our money. She set the rules. She was married to a policeman, you know, who before he got married, who liked to drink, who liked to enjoy himself, um, and was very much one of the boys. And he was a very good father. But, you know, all the drinking and all the partying and socializing with maybe went on. He was, he was, he drove a fast car. That all stopped when he got married and joined the Baptist church. Cause remember, he wasn't a Baptist. He married into the Baptist church. She set the rules and that was it. By the time they moved to Charnwood Park in Coleraine in 1986, the Buchanans had two children, a five year old girl and a four year old boy. The young family fit right in at the Baptist church and within a few years their lives would collide with the Howells with devastating results. Hazel had felt as though she was stifled at home with the children but a part-time job as an assistant at Mount Sandal Nursery had given her a new lease of life. Trevor was unimpressed by his wife's change in attitude and arguments became more and more frequent between them. Although he adored his wife, Trevor's work kept him away from home for long shifts and Hazel found herself looking forward to brief conversations with Colin Howell at the school gates, at the church playgroup and during swimming lessons. I found myself not depending on Trevor as much, Hazel said later. He saw a change in my attitude, which he was not in favour of, as he preferred me as I was before. This initially led to arguments between us and at times a lack of communication set in. We didn't huff, but felt no real closeness. I could see that Colin was a different person from Trevor, in that he was friendly, more outgoing, easy to talk to, and had plenty of chat. She was married to a a policeman and, you know, led a fairly, I would say a fairly humdrum life. Um, she was obviously excited by this this dentist, this uh, this professional man. He's also a member of the church. He's not particularly well liked, but he's ambitious, not just in the course of his work and his dentistry, but obviously he's looking to climb the ladder in the church as well. So here was somebody who was who excited her, obviously. Leslie was pregnant with their fourth child, so Colin joined the children at the swimming pool. While the kids were splashing about in the shallows, Colin and Hazel got closer in the deep end. With his hands supporting her body as she practised the front crawl, Colin confessed, I'm not having innocent thoughts about you, Hazel. Unfazed by his disclosure, Hazel replied, Well, I'm not that innocent myself. Colin knew that Hazel felt the same way, and in his mind, this legitimised the affair. They thought of excuses to see one another, and while Trevor was at work, Colin said he would go to the Buchanan's house to teach Hazel how to play the guitar. He remembered how she looked when she answered the door to him. She was wearing a short denim miniskirt, a sleeveless low-cut blouse and perfume. I knew I wasn't there for guitar lessons. After they had sex for the first time, Hazel seemed conflicted. She lay on her marital bed with someone else's husband and questioned what had just happened. Colin was quick to retort, 
We just had sex. Do you want me to explain it to you? She's obviously felt a sense of guilt that she was letting herself down, letting her husband down. Uh, she was obviously fearful that the church maybe would find out. Harold was, I suppose, reckless, more reckless. You know, at that stage, I don't think there was, she felt any sense of real guilt. Uh, she knew she was, she was betraying her husband. Despite Hazel's inner conflict, the sexual relationship continued throughout the summer of 1990. They would steal moments away together on day trips with the children and the church playgroup. And they carefully coordinated their movements to avoid the suspicion of their spouses or of the congregation. Knowing how to avoid the calls showing up on phone bills or risking Trevor picking up, Colin would even dial Hazel's landline and let it ring just once before hanging up. She knew the single click on the line was her lover's signal that he wanted to speak to her. But for Colin, it wasn't just a desire. It was bordering on obsession. These were two people who were not only were in a relationship, but they were obviously deeply in love as well. It didn't matter to Colin that Trevor was sleeping in the bedroom. He would sneak over to see Hazel. They would often meet at Castle Row Forest Park to have sex and... In August, Hazel discovered she was pregnant. Colin told her not to worry. He'd been through it before with Leslie before they were married. He knew where they could go to deal with the issue. He spoke about the abortions years later. Hazel initiated the desire to have it and I was the one with the ability, he said. It was a complete mutual decision. It was like a blood contract between Hazel and I to murder an unborn baby. A secret link that is a very strong bond. All they had to do was excuse themselves for a night away in London so Hazel could have the abortion at a clinic. Trevor rarely questioned Hazel anymore. The constant arguments were draining him so he wasn't entirely surprised when he found a note from her that read, going through a really hard time, don't worry about me, don't try to find me, I'll be back in a few days, love you. Trevor did worry though. And when Hazel arrived home the following night, he was glad to see her. And she was relieved she'd gotten away with it. The following month, Hazel and Colin were spotted. A member of the Coleraine Baptist Church saw them parked beside each other in Castle Row Forest Park. And word soon reached Pastor John Hansford. And then one day they were meeting in a, in a, in a car park uh, outside Coleraine. Um, and uh, one of the elders in the church um, happened to be driving by and he spotted the two of them and it probably confirmed his suspicions that something was happening, something was going on here that, you know, that shouldn't be happening and he went straight to the pastor, John Hansford and said, listen, I think Colin Hall and Hazel Buchanan are having an affair, this needs to stop, this is this is, this is going to scandalise the church. It's going to damage uh, uh, people's views about the church. And it has to end. Uh, John Hansford was an Englishman. He came over here. He was originally from outside London. Um, married a school teacher uh, from Newton Arge and was basically in charge of the church in Coleraine. 
The pastor had already heard from Leslie, who had recently given birth to the couple's fourth child and was starting to have suspicions about the time her husband was spending with Hazel Buchanan. He made his way to Colin's dental practice in Ballymoney. It was a busy surgery and it seemed to be doing well as it was decked out with state-of-the-art equipment and new examination chairs. Colin was surprised to see his pastor, but invited him into an empty room after being assured the conversation would not take long. Pastor Hansford was direct. He asked Colin if he was having another affair, but Colin seemed stunned by the accusation and adamantly denied that he was cheating on his wife. Howl, being Howl, cocky, confident, narcissistic. He's, he's, he's somebody that even then that people find difficult, somebody they could, you know, find difficult to warm to. And, you know, he, he tells the, the, the um, Hansford, he says, no, 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 he says, there's no affair. He says, it's not true. And Hansford says, that's fine. Takes himself off then to see Hazel. Pastor Hansford later recalled her reaction, saying that Hazel mentioned that Trevor was an ordinary guy and reflected on her own childhood and upbringing, which she said to him was restrictive. She told him that she wished Trevor was more of an exciting husband, but the pastor told her that Trevor was a good guy, that he would often see him around the place on duty, talking to the public and doing what was a first-rate job protecting the country. He told her that while Trevor may not be the exciting husband she wanted, in terms of faithfulness, he was not to be despised, but to be cherished. Hazel offered to drive the pastor home as his own car was being serviced and it was behind the wheel of her husband's car that she finally broke down in tears and told the pastor that an emotional affair had just begun. But she adamantly denied that it had been physical. And initially she protests her innocence, um, but eventually she confirms that yes, it has been her relationship and she's deeply sorry pastor drove to the Howells' house, where Leslie was at home with the children. He prepared her before Colin arrived back from work and was confronted with his lies. Colin was devastated and repentant before his wife and the pastor. He promised them the affair had not been sexual, but that offered very little comfort to his wife. As a consequence of his infidelity, he was stripped of his high-standing position within the church and forbidden from taking communion at Sunday Mass. The Howells and the Buchanans would also be not allowed to attend the same service for an undetermined period of time to ensure the guilty parties did not cross paths. Leslie was heartbroken and mortified by the unveiling of her husband's affair, as was Hazel's husband Trevor. The pastor reminded them that divorce was an option and they would still be welcomed at the Baptist church, but the scorned spouses were determined to make it work. They decided to go for counselling with the pastor and try to put the whole thing behind them. Trevor was a quiet man and he asked that the affair be handled with discretion. But the church community was small and whispering exchanges between parishioners meant the secret was out. Hazel had told Pastor Hansford that she couldn't cope with the pressure of the affair and the pastor felt as though she had been less culpable than Colin in the infidelity. He said that she wasn't streetwise and she didn't have the necessary guile to carry on the affair. Trevor struggled with the revelation immensely. 
Not only was he gutted by the betrayal, but his pride had been dealt a crushing blow. He felt as though he would never be able to measure up to the successful, charismatic dentist that had not only seemingly won over his wife, but their entire social circle. Trevor didn't really have anyone he felt he could speak to about Hazel's affair. It wasn't something he was comfortable speaking about with his RUC colleagues, but he did tell his older brother Victor and his superior at work. He was a proud, family-orientated man. His children were his world, and he was sure that he and Hazel could overcome any issues if they presented a united front. Leslie spoke openly at the counselling session with Pastor Hansford, but Colin was very reserved. He was resentful of the fact that the power dynamic in their relationship had shifted and Leslie seemed to have more control over him than ever. The pastor found Colin to be ambitious in a negative way and felt as though he was only saying what he thought Leslie wanted to hear without any real emotion behind it. Leslie also spoke with close friends about her feelings, although she kept the depths of her despair mostly to herself. One of her closest friends was the wife of church elder, Dr. Alan Topping. Margaret Topping remembered how distraught Leslie was over the affair, and most of her concerns centred around the impact it would have on their four small children. Leslie felt worthless, and Margaret remembered her asking, Why was I not number one? But the affair wasn't the only problem in their marriage. Money issues had plagued the couple for years, mostly because Colin had purchased a new practice and a new home in quick succession without the money to pay for the work needed on both. The bank was breathing down their necks for repayments and Colin had already borrowed thousands of pounds from his father-in-law, Harry Clark. Leslie's parents had moved to Northern Ireland from Dublin while she was still a trainee nurse and after her mother's death and his own retirement, her father Harry had moved to a row of a dozen houses along the coast known as the Twelve Apostles. Leslie told a friend that she just wanted a fresh start in her marriage and she felt as though renewing her vows would offer the couple a chance to begin again with a clean slate. She was struggling more than ever at home with the children as she didn't want to send her daughter to the nursery where Hazel worked. But just as she felt things were improving, the pastor sat her down and warned her that her husband had another confession to make. After Colin confessed to the pastor that the affair had been sexual, Pastor Hansford went to speak with Leslie to prepare her for the second devastating disclosure from Colin. The children had been sent to stay with friends in preparation for the mediation session. Leslie had barely gotten over the supposed emotional betrayal and upon hearing that Colin had indeed been sleeping with Hazel, Leslie snapped and lunged at him in a highly distressed state. The pastor left the house to allow the couple some space to talk it out, but Leslie locked herself in the bathroom and hastily swallowed a cocktail of painkillers and sedatives. Colin was stunned by what happened next. He'd later say, she came out of the bathroom, walked past me icy cold, got into the car and drove off. Colin called the pastor and asked him to come back. Leslie returned to the house and the pastor tried to determine how much medication she had swallowed. He convinced her to go to Coleraine Hospital where she was admitted and observed for a number of days. 
In the aftermath of the incident, Leslie was immediately embarrassed and ashamed by her suicide attempt. She regretted it to such an extent that she had tried to get it removed from her medical records and confided in friends that she would never have left her children. The youngest was just a few months old at that point. Leslie began taking antidepressants and she started to drink wine in the evenings to cope. Colin didn't mind. The more Leslie drank, the less he had to speak to her about their problems. As emotionless as he was at home with his wife, Colin was, by all appearances, an extremely remorseful husband. He spoke to Leslie's friend Margaret in their house on one occasion and tried to rationalise his infidelity by saying he felt he couldn't resist. Have you never felt like that? He asked her. An emotional affair was one thing, but to have consummated it was against the moral beliefs the church held strong. Colin was never one to practice what he preached. Leslie, however, was desperate to regain some form of normality. She was plagued by thoughts of her husband sneaking out again, but instead of reassuring her, Colin ignored her fears. Leslie consoled herself by going for sunbed sessions, dyeing her hair, dieting, and going to an aerobics class with her friend. It was at one of these classes that Leslie told Margaret that Colin had been giving her some tablets. She said it was fine that he was looking after her. The couples continued to go to counselling sessions with Pastor Hansford and they spoke about their relationships and the things that they felt contributed to the problems. Leslie and Trevor both felt as though they hadn't been good enough spouses. Trevor believed he could have been more present and receptive and Leslie spoke about the lack of communication that intensified her suspicions. At the start of 1991, just four months after the affair was revealed, Colin offered to meet with Trevor in front of the pastor to apologise face to face. Trevor had never been bitter towards Colin. He just felt he could never measure up. In fact, he'd been so non-confrontational that he'd waved Colin on at a police checkpoint on one occasion, just so he wouldn't have to speak to him. After a half-hour discussion, Colin apologised to Trevor and begged for his forgiveness. And Trevor accepted the apology and even shook Colin's hand counselling session seemed to be a success and Pastor Hansford left to go to India for six weeks feeling confident that the healing process was well and truly underway. Before he left, he told Colin, Hazel's doing well, she's moved on and so should you. Colin just had to know for himself though. In March, he dialed her number and when she picked up, he described it as being like holding your breath. When Hazel seemed glad to hear from him, he said it was like coming up for air, the wrong sort of air. Hal obviously is pining for this woman. He phones her, tells him that how much he's missed her, and she responds uh, in kind. And the relationship um, resumes again. And with the same intensity as it was before uh, the, the, the affair had been uncovered, I love you until I'm old and grey, Hazel had told him. The affair began again. And they would meet regularly, especially down um, outside Castle Rock, near the mouth of the the Ban, which flows into Loch Foyle and then into the Atlantic. 
uh, in a nature reserve in his car or her car and they would have sex and the relationship was back on again. That's where things then started to go wrong and Howells clearly felt that this was as good a time as any for him to end his relationship with his wife and um, move on to the next chapter in his life. The Dentist, His Mistress and the Murders. The story of Colin Howell, Hazel Buchanan and the tragic death of their innocent partners. Written by Eileen McFarlane. Researcher, Claude Amini. Produced by Ian Mullaney and edited by me, Nicola Talent. A Crime World, three-part special.